With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Is it changed? And we can have... Recorded live. ...in the movies. Amen, church? So what lies beneath the surface? Last week I was watching the news, and true story, this little boy was walking into his bathroom in Abilene, Texas. And when he came into his bathroom, he's getting ready to use the restroom, and out of the toilet was slithering a rattlesnake in his bathroom. And the little boy screams, ah, mom, you know, and he gets his mom, and his mom's like, go get a shovel and shut the door. So he shuts the door, he grabs the shovel, she calls a snake removal company. They have snake removal companies in this part of Texas, and, and the guy, she's like, you got to get over here now, there's a snake in my bathroom. The guy was taking his time, and how many of y'all know the woman shall crush the head of the serpent? She grabbed that shovel, man, and she went to town on that rattlesnake. She killed that rattlesnake. And the snake removal guy gets in there, and he's like, why did you kill this snake? And she's like, are you kidding me? And he goes, well, I like to save snakes and release them into the wild. And she's like, I'm killing any snake in my house. And uh, I, I love that attitude of that mama. They, they actually put this conversation in the news. Then the guy said, well, if you find one snake, chances are there's more. And he said, let me look around your house. And he began to, he had his prong, and he began to poke around behind cabinets, behind drawers, looking underneath the sink, looking around the bedrooms, and looking underneath the beds. And he said, is there any holes under or around the house that I could crawl under? And she said, yeah, there's a big one back here. And he began to crawl under the house, and he found a den of more than 20 rattlesnakes living under the house, massive rattlesnakes. And he said, ma'am... These snakes have been living here for a long time. You wouldn't have known it until that one rattlesnake began to surface the bathroom. And I tell you that story because some of us in this room, we don't realize what's beneath the surface in our hearts. The lies that the devil has tried to plant in our minds and in our hearts. If you want to know why someone's behaving a certain way, why someone keeps on cheating, why someone keeps on lying, why someone has a hard time trusting men, why someone has a hard time loving other people, why someone screams and gets angry every time over the smallest things, you've got to look beneath the surface. Because beneath the surface, it's not just something that happened this month or this week. I mean, this goes way back to something that happened between her and her daddy when she was like four years old. This happened when you were there, when your parents divorced, and something alive from the enemy seeped in and started planting these seeds. And you know what God spoke to me today is to challenge all of us in this to put this in the surface today in our own hearts and allow the Holy Spirit not to bring condemnation, but to come with that little problem, that condition to say, let's pull that out of there. That's not going to help your marriage. That's not going to help your relationships. Whether you're married or not, let me just help you become a healthy you. And to become a healthy you, we've got to let the gardener, the great gardener, come and pull out the weeds. Saul was supposed to be leading. He was supposed to be loving his job. He was supposed to be serving the people of Israel. But instead, he was suspicious. He was paranoid about a young boy named David who was twice as young as him. 
David was just there to help serve the kingdom, help build Israel. He wasn't there to take Saul's job. But Saul was paranoid. He couldn't even trust him. This happens in marriages where we just don't even trust. We're punishing people in the present because of what people in the past did. Does your passion for God seem to have dwindled? Or maybe you have a desire to step into a deeper walk with God, but don't know how to achieve it. Pastor Paul's new mini-book, Stepping Into Revival, teaches you how to have a personal revival in your faith, family, and your community to prayer. In this book, you'll learn personal revival where you can invigorate the life of a believer and how community and relationships can be the even more catalyst to knowing God on a deeper level. Stepping into revival reveals the spiritual steps that bring an intimate relationship with God and the practical ways to implement those steps in your life. Step into that deeper relationship with God. Get your free copy today as our gift to you by calling 1-800-760-2360 or visit us online. One of the first little lies, little snakes, that the devil loves to bring into our hearts and minds is the lie of lust. The lie of lust, it's, it's pumped through the television screens. And I'm not saying that you can't watch TV or you can't watch the movies, but you need to recognize a lie when it starts coming through the screens. Because an affair is not going to make you happy. Right? Sleeping with someone new or sleeping outside of marriage with somebody else, that's not what's going to satisfy you. Lust says if you can have the forbidden things, you'll finally be happy. This was the lie that the serpent told Adam and Eve. Satan came as a serpent in the Garden of Eden. In Genesis chapter 2, God had just got done telling Adam and Eve, you can eat from any tree in the garden. You can have everything you want, but this one tree, you can't eat from this one. The serpent said, well, God doesn't know what he's talking about. Because if you'll eat from that one tree, you'll finally be satisfied. You'll finally be happy. Same thing with Samson in the Bible. Samson was allowed to choose any wife that he wanted among his, his uh, Israelite uh, community. But instead, he, he left the Israelite community, began to go in places he wasn't supposed to go. And there he met Delilah. And we know the rest of the story. And oftentimes, lust will promise you everything and leave you with nothing. Lust will promise you just one more click and it'll be enough. Then you find yourself a thousand clicks later. You find yourself three more affairs later. You find yourself deeper and deeper into a relationship that you weren't supposed to be in. Crossing boundaries you swore you'd never cross. Because lust just pulls you deeper and darker into sin. Proverbs chapter 7, Solomon said, Lust is the pathway towards destruction. He said, don't even go near that house. Don't look in that direction. You don't have to have that to be happy. Lust will not make you happy. Be satisfied with who you are and what you have and the gift that God's blessed you with. But oftentimes, those forbidden things look exciting. Anybody see the movie Bugs Life? There's this moment on Bugs Life, it's a cartoon movie, where this bug sees this beautiful blue light, and he's like, the light is so pretty! And he's flying towards the light, and he doesn't realize it's an electrocution light for bugs like him. And he flies right to it, and he's like... <laughs> it was pretty morbid for a kid's movie. <laughs> but you know what God spoke to me? This is the lie of lust. It looks so enticing. Take a bite of the apple. It won't hurt you. Cross that boundary. It's not going to mess anything up. There's really no consequences. You're going you're gonna to beat the odds of these consequences. You can get away with it. But it's a lie. 
And the second lie that the enemy tries to plant in our hearts and our minds is the lie of offense. Well, I have a right to be upset, Paul. They offended me. And we get bitter and we get angry and we hold on to these offenses thinking that we're going to get stronger, thinking that we're the stronger person, drinking poison, hoping for them to die. But forgiveness is to set a prisoner free only to realize the prisoner was you all along. And offense happens in relationships. You're not going to have a relationship that, that will not have offense. I heard a story about this husband and wife that had gotten upset at each other and, and they weren't talking to each other and they were going to sleep at night. They didn't even want to look at each other or talk to each other, but then the husband realized he didn't have an alarm clock and he needed someone to wake him up in the morning. But he didn't want to break the silence, so he wrote a little note, wake me up at 6 a.m., and he put it on her pillow. Well, the next day he wakes up and it's and he is furious. I can't believe she didn't wake me up. And he finds a little note on his bed, wake up, it's 6 a.m. <laughs> Maybe that was you. See, offense is going to happen in marriage. Offense is going to happen in dating and engagement seasons. There's going to be moments where you just get frustrated. The Bible doesn't say that you can't get angry. The Bible says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. The Bible says, deal with the offense. Because if you don't deal with the offense, the offense is going to take you out. If you don't deal with that anger, that unresolved conflict, and I'm telling you, over time, those offenses start to build. If we don't properly forgive and release the toxicity of the hurt, we become more numb and more numb and more cold and more cold to the point where we can't even hold each other's hands. This happens in couples. We don't even want to look at each other. What once was such a sweet, warm love is now this cold hatred. How does that happen? How do you move from loving someone so much to literally hating them? It's because offense gets in and continues to drive you apart. The enemy knows that offense can do this. Plants those little seeds. The third lie, third little snake that tries to crawl and stay in our lives is the lie of distrust. Distrust. I can't even trust you anymore. can't trust anybody. Suspicious about everyone. Distrust causes us to be paranoid. Never trusting anyone around us. I remember when I was a teenager and this person who was very close to our family and close to me, a loyal person, and I value loyalty a lot, sometimes too much. And in this moment, they had made a lot of promises to me, to my family, and they broke them. And man, it hurt. The betrayal hurt. My family members, they were, they were able to let it go and forgive them. But for me, I don't know, I was the youngest in the family, and it just felt so personal. And I thought that I had forgiven them. I remember going down to an altar call that my dad had preached, in, and I thought I had forgiven that person. Years went on, and in college, man, even starting to work here at the church, I just had a hard time trusting people around me. And it's a daily choice to choose to trust people. But for me, it was, it was this moment where I had to realize, I had to uncover that lie. Why do I have such a hard time? Why am I so suspicious? Like, who's the next Judas that's going to betray me? Where's the Judas at? This is what happened to King Saul in 1 Samuel 18. Saul was supposed to be leading. He was supposed to be loving his job. He was supposed to be serving the people of Israel. But instead, he was suspicious. He was paranoid about a young boy named David who was twice as young as him. And David was just there to help serve the kingdom, help build Israel. He wasn't there to take Saul's job. 
but Saul was paranoid. He couldn't even trust him. This happens in marriages where we just don't even trust. We're punishing people in the present because of what people in the past did. You're punishing your current spouse because of what your ex did, because of what your dad did, because of what your mom did, because of what some co-worker did. They betrayed your trust. And, man, I had to hear this loud and clear from someone who was older than me, an older counselor, who kind of helped me uncover this. He just said, Paul, like, you're going to have to just release and choose to trust people. You can't hold people accountable to what that person did 16 years ago, 17 years ago. You've got to choose to trust. And this is a challenge for all of us to let that, let that happen in our own hearts. The fourth lie is, is the lie of selfishness. Selfishness. That if I'll do what I want, if my needs are met, then I'll help somebody else. If they'll take care of my needs, then I'll take care of their needs. And guys, this is, this is really the, the cause of so many divorces, selfishness. What are they going to do what I want them to do? What are they going to meet my needs, my benefits, my wants? Me, 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 I, 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 my, my, my. And it's a lie because even when your needs are met, you get all your wants, it's still not enough. Selfishness is just this sick cancer that just never allows you to serve other people. The cure to selfishness is servanthood. You want to kill selfishness in your life? You want to get rid of it once and for all? Start adopting the attitude of a servant. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, Paul says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress other people. Instead, think of others even better than yourselves. Find ways to serve someone else. Look out for ways where you can help other people. Verse 5, he says, take on the same attitude that Jesus Christ had, the attitude of a servant. If we're going to get rid of selfishness, we've got to take on the attitude of a servant. Not here I am, but there you are. There you are. And you know you don't have to wait until you're married to have, to have a servant's heart. You can start doing it as a teenager. You can start doing it as a kid. You can start doing it as a young adult, single, just looking for ways to serve. People who have a servant's heart are happier in their marriages, happier in their relationships. I find that this test comes every Sunday in church when we have an opportunity to give to God. The way we approach giving really determines our heart in this whole issue of selfishness and servanthood. Because if we approach giving on, well, what's God going to give to me? I'm not giving him nothing. He's not done nothing for me. When, he's, when is he going to meet my needs? When is he going to meet my wants? And let me just turn the question around. Are you still breathing? Where did you get your breath from? Where, who, who put you on this planet, like, besides your mom, right? I mean, God is the one who really gave you everything you have, the clothes on your back. The Bible says everything is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Let you forget you wouldn't be here if it wasn't for God, his goodness, his kindness. And when we live with a sense of entitlement, I deserve more than this. I deserve better than this. I'm entitled to more. Man, we miss out on the joy of the relationships God wants to bring into our life. God wants to give you a love story that's better than the movies. You know, I shared it in the message today that I have a fascination for movies. But at the end of the day, I can't copy someone else's story, and I don't want to copy someone else's story. I want my own original story. But I don't want to be the one that writes it and authors it. I want God to write it. I want God to teach me how to love. I want God to lead my love story, my marriage, because when he's the one that's writing it, it's a lot better than when I'm trying to write it. Maybe you're watching today and you've allowed things into your life, things that have 
hindered you, distracted you, things that maybe have messed with your relationships, your marriage, or your love life. I want to encourage you today to come to God and say, God, I'm ready for you to author my love story. I'm ready to get everything out of my life, just like I heard in the message today. Anything that's not of you, I want to get it out of my heart, out of my mind, and let you be the Lord of my life. Pray this prayer with me right now. Say, Jesus, my heart is yours. My love life is yours. I want you to write my story, God. Be the author of my life. I surrender to you. Be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer, welcome to the family of God. God's going to start moving the wrong stuff out of your life and moving the right stuff into your life. I've got a new mini book out that I think will help you in this journey of faith, this journey of building a healthy love life, and it's called Stepping into Revival. It's a book about experiencing revival in every area of your life. And if you want to call the number at the bottom of the screen today or go to the website at the bottom of the screen, do it right now. We will send it to you for free. We can also pray for you, talk to you, help you in whatever ways you want. But we want to send that book to you for free. Thanks for watching today. Thanks for supporting this ministry. You mean the world to us. And never forget, your best days are still in front of you. Does your passion for God seem to have dwindled? Or maybe you have a desire to step into a deeper walk with God. I don't know how to achieve it. Pastor Paul's new mini-book, Stepping Into Revival, teaches you how to have a personal revival in your faith, family, and your community to prayer. In this book, you'll learn that personal revival reinvigorates the life of a believer and how community and relationships can be the transformed catalyst to knowing God on a deeper level. Stepping Into Revival reveals the spiritual steps that bring an intimate relationship with God and the practical ways to implement those steps in your life. Step into that deeper relationship with God. Get your free copy today as our gift to you by calling 1-800-760-2360 or visit us online. Victory Conference, August 8th through the 13th at Victory Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. One word from God can change your life. With speakers, John Bevere, Robert Redu, Charlotte Campbell, Sammy Rodriguez, Stephen Furtick, and your hosts, Paul and Ashley Doherty. Come experience Victory Conference in person, 7700 South Lewis in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, go to victory.com. This program is made possible by the generous donations of our television partners and friends. Contact us today with your prayer requests or praise reports. You have ways of thinking walled off in your mind that are keeping you from the life that God wants you to live. Surely Carl Faith has traveled across the world interviewing modern-day game changers. The New Testament is by far the most well-attested ancient text we possess, and it's by miles. It's not even close. About how the life and ministry of Jesus changed the world and why it matters. By rising from the dead, he had his opportunity. Once I understood that he was the Savior, that's when I trusted in him for my own salvation. Jesus the Game Changer on the Hillsong Channel. Hey, thanks for watching today. Hillsong is all Jesus. The messages, the worship, conferences, each part and expression of who is at the center of all of this. 
And right now, we want to extend a special invitation to you. You're watching today because something deep within you resonates with a cause to bring hope to humanity through the message of Jesus. Now, you can accelerate that cause by becoming a Hillsong team member. And as a member of the team, you will receive a subscription box that delivers the best of Hillsong and friends to your door each month. Your subscription to the team box is fun and meaningful and equips you in your faith journey. But most importantly, your subscription will accelerate the message of Jesus across the globe through the Hillsong channel. There is power and potential by being a part of something so much bigger than ourselves. So join the team today. Hillsong.com forward slash team to sign up and get your monthly box. Each month we'll send you a box with items that will help you grow and empower you in your sphere of life. You'll find apparel, worship, downloads, albums, and so much more. And you can't get this exclusive combination of resources any other way. Hillsong Team Box is for all ages, so we want to invite you to journey with us. We want to bless you each and every month. The purpose of the Hillsong Team Box is to touch your life and to reach the world. Together, let's take Jesus into every sphere of life. Join today. Hillsong.com forward slash team. Your life is going to be a wasteland of broken relationships behind you if you don't learn to forgive. Every Christian must master this skill. This is a book that's been in my office for a long time. I hope you've um, taken some time to explore it yourself. It's called My Utmost for His Highest by Oswald Chambers. I haven't read it for years, but I did read it for years. In fact, in the front of this book, an interesting note, I haven't picked this off the shelf for many years, but it says September the 2nd, 1991, beginning my 10-day fast. It was right in a key time in the first couple of years of our church. And um, I would write in the margin of it over each date, because it's just set up with one for every day for the whole year, and I would write in the margin of it uh, the year that I read it. So that was 1991. Over this devotional, it says 92, 93, 94. I've been to this page a few times. It's this passage, John 2, 23 to 25. Oswald Chambers says this, listen. He called this devotional the discipline of disillusionment. Disillusionment means that there are no more false judgments in life. You know what? To be disillusioned, right? To be disillusioned is to lose faith in someone. And he's calling it the discipline of disillusionment. In other words, deciding ahead of time not to have illusions about people. That's what Jesus is doing in this passage. He's deciding not to have illusions about people. Disillusionment means that there are no more false judgments in life. To be undeceived by disillusionment may leave us cynical and unkindly severe in our judgment of others. 
But the disillusionment which comes from God brings us to the place where we see men and women as they really are, and yet there's no cynicism. We have no stinging, bitter things to say. Many of the cruel things in life spring from the fact that we suffer from illusions. We are not true, this is such a great sentence, we are not true to one another as facts. We are true to the illusion that we have about each other. Does that make sense? That, that my loyalty is to who I think you are, not who I should know biblically you truly are. And so when you don't live up to the illusion that I have about you, now I'm shattered and disappointed. And here he's commending the discipline of disillusionment. The refusal...
Download the free Stingray Music mobile app. Y'all got it, y'all got it, y'all got it. So let's celebrate. Come on, Calvin, let's do this. Now it needs to be funny. I mean, everybody. You clap your hands. Bring it on with me. Let the people say. Let the people say. Yeah, we are. Oh, girl, Thank you. 
Lord, you are the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You my God. Thank you. 
Enjoy Stingray music free on your mobile. You met me deep in my despair. Show me you would never leave me there. You claim me because I was made for so much more. I am your child. And I'm worth fighting for, oh, baby. With the weight of my mistakes, you carry me and refuse to let me sink under the pressure. You meant for me, that's all I am, your child. 
Stingray Music mobile app. Open your mouth and say, Lord, release it. I've sown my seed, and I've given you glory. Say, I have declaratively praised you. So I wait, expecting my blessing right now. Applaud God in this room, everybody.
you can break the chains as we praise and as we speak and as we fellowship together. Let the chains be broken, oh God. Let freedom reign and go out as we as we fellowship together. And Father God, we comfort those who are dealing with um, death. Father, we pray that you would give them comfort in the midst of it in spite of their loss. Let them dwell not on what they lost, but what they had. Let them remember the jokes and the love that was shared and the peace that was given and let their let their spirit find peace in and through you in your word, oh God. Let your comforter, the Holy Spirit, go through and give them comfort. Father God, we also come about this <clears throat> the gifts the gifts and the fruit of the Spirit, oh God. We thank you that you have given us all a measure of faith that started as the size of the mustard seed, but because you are the author and finisher thereof, everybody's mustard tree is different. It's at different stages and different sizes, but we are all planted beside the river of your son and your word, and we're all gaining increase daily. And, Lord, we just want to thank you. We want to thank you for that increase in our faith. And we thank you for the spirit of the fruit of your spirit and the gifts of the spirit, the wisdom, knowledge, understanding, and discerning power, as well as the gifts, the, the the fruit of patience, love, and humbleness, meekness. Lord, there's so much more that you have given us, but we thank you for each and everything because you are the parent. You are a wonderful God, and we appreciate you. We also pray for Sam right now who is the mediator of this call. And Father, we pray that you will give him the strength that he needs to go throughout the day, to go through and do your will and obey the ways that you have for him today. Let him redeem whatever time he sacrificed the real time. As he shares your word, as he shares your will, for all of us, and we'll just continue to encourage his heart as he deals with his 19-year-old and 391-year-old as he goes strong today and as he encounters those, let him be encouraged that all he does is not in vain. For his seeds are being sown in good ground for his good, but for your glory. In the name of Yeshua, we pray. Amen. Um,
Get it up on Praise you, Holy Spirit. Get it up on We glorify you. Run to the ghost station. Get it up on Run to the ghost station. Get it up on Yes, Lord, we praise thy name. We glorify you, Father. Yara the Poposke de Gehe Yan Randilko Diskandaka Randilko Seshi de Kopo Randy Gossation of the Station of the Station of the Station of the Father God, we praise thy name. We glorify you, Lord. We glorify you, Father. It's because of you, Lord, <clears throat> that change has occurred. It's because of you, daddy God. 
that situations and circumstances have transformed. Not because of anything we did. All we did was line up with you, Lord. All we did was line up with we seek, sought, walked according to what you're telling us to do. We're not the vehicles that are making the change. We are the vessels that are being used for the change. Help us to move in the fullness and the assurance that you are God and that you got this. That you are God and that you got this. We don't need to walk enough, Father, for that's a sure sign of failure. A sure sign of (laughs) it's going to collapse. Because we can't handle it. But continue to gird us up and equip us for the battle. Now, what do I mean the battle? We always talk about the battle. We always talk about the war. This thing we deal with called life. We might not be in the midst of bums falling all around us, but we sure got some stuff going on in our personal lives, our personal situations and circumstances. We all got our own crosses to bear. Whether it be mine, Felicia's, Pam's, Erica's, none of us like it. Because it's not a tiptoe through the tulips. I don't even think Felicia's tiptoeing through the tulips no more. But God, you are God. We need to seek and to trust you regarding everything and everybody, Lord. So continue to change our mindsets, our heartsets, our dispositions, our understanding, whatever needs to be changed, Lord, so that we can press our way through. Because you say press your way to the mark of the higher calling. You didn't say tiptoe through the tulips because you can't get there tiptoeing. You can't even have the proper mindset to get there that way. It's not going to happen. Because if the mindset is tiptoeing, but you're telling us to press, that means it's action, strength, exertion that's involved. You say the king of heaven suffered violence and the violence taken by force. That's not tiptoeing through the two lips. You say the hold up, the enemy ain't gonna let it go. It is the kingdom of heaven, and God wants it down here on earth as we've been learning. But the enemy is not gonna let it go. You're not gonna get it tiptoeing through the two lips. You're not gonna get it with oh it's gonna happen. I'm waiting on God. Well, you be waiting until eternity comes for you. We have to change our understanding, Lord, so that we can line up with you. Jesus, you did not have a tiptoe to the tulips mentality. If you did, those guards, those Roman guards, would not have fled from your presence. I need to get out. Those soldiers who were trained in war would not have ran up out of that temple because you're saying, well, I need you all to stop because I don't like this. No, they ran. They fled because they saw true power. 
godly power. And that's what we need to possess. So, Father God, direct, correct, ordain, manifest, whatever needs to be done so we can walk in that aspect of life. We're called to be overcomers. People don't easily give up what is theirs, and this is the devil's territory. This is his kingdom. He's not going to easily give this up. So if we call to be overcomers, Lord, I mean, there's a fight. That's the battle. That's the war. That's what's going on. So we need to have the mindset of a warrior, the mindset of a king, the mindset of somebody who is willing to fight for what they believe and who they believe. So, Lord, we're seeking you in that capacity. We're seeking you to be God. Rise up inside of us. Move in our lives. And help us to become all that you called us to be. In Jesus' name, my friend. Amen. Okay. Thought that was Irish for a minute. What's up, man? Okay, let me start with the move family. Run Thank you, Lord. 
So you got Moose family, Tolan family, Teresa Crosby, young man on 107th Street. What's going to go, son? Randy to go, session to go. What's going to go, Randy? What's to go, Baka? What's going to go, session? Randy to go, session to go. Some brush going to go, say, Daka. For Randy to go, session to go, session to go, session to go, session to go, Saga. Randy to go, session to go, Saga. Randy to go, Daddy go, Daddy go, Saga. Saga. Amanda, Hush going to go, session to go, Randy to go, Saga.
Okay, where we are, we got a key on a shot, Tim White, run the run the bus, 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 the Rushkarakosation <laughs> Bushkid of the Sasha Sara, Sakara. Egg in the venue. Rumble did the Sasha 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 S
Courtney Collin, Brandon Hushka, the Gumboski, the Gondishka, the Gumbrandi, the Gosishi, the Gosaka, the Gosishi, the Gosishi, the Saka, the Obama, Rondo, the Dedicate, and 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 Rondo,
Okay, listen to Stan Watch, Barbara Salters, Nashanda, Lorenzo, Yalaganda, Gondiganda, 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 Belinda, Hush could go dead, did 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 go Sarah, Sakara. Brandon Allen, Hush could go dead, did 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 go Sarah, Sakara. The Jenkins family, Hush could go say she 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 go Sarah. Hush could go say she go say she go say she go say she go Sarah. Hush could go say she go Sarah, Sakara. Mars business, who's gonna go dead did go dead did go dead did go dead did go Sarah Sakara. Erica's business, your bus get to go say she go say she go say she sarah sakara. My business, who's gonna go say she go say she go say she sarah sakara. Erica's church, but run this could go dead did go did go did go sarah sakara. Film cops, punches not got all of them. Eddie's family, Roshka Gumboskira the Kandraska, Hoshka go run the bus dicker. Hushkara go randa gasaga sakra. Train area, hushkara gumbushkara gan randago sadaka. Hushkara gun randago seshi gasaga sakra. Sean Stephen and David ho boskara go sendidu gumboko. Gumbushkara go saragandaka. Shindidu go saraga sakra. Investors. Rumble Kosker negotiation, negotiation, Moradaka, Sakra. Tony Brookers. Rumble Rand negotiation, 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 Sarah, Sakra. Girl Eric's Church, Grand Randaka, Sakra. Bobby Williams, Hush, Sharambaka, Shindiri Gumbuku, Hush, Sharakada. Malcolm Bryson, Yenako Rand negotiation, negotiation, Sarah, Sakra. Richard, Hush, negotiation, 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 Sarah, Sakra. I'll say family members. Randy go say she go say she go say she go saga sakra. Mitch who's gonna go say she go say she go say she go saga sakra. Erica Thomas Randy go say she go say she go saga sakra. Manith Romboski go say she 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 go saga sakra. Wayne Bridges Randy go Randy go say she go say she go say she go saga sakra. Nobody else on the list. Run this kid to go say she go say she go say she go saga sakra. Marking Charles II, run the good day to get it together to go Saraga, Sakra. That's Mark Hushka, the position position position, Saraga. Ah, Sakra. And myself. Rushka, the position position position, Saraga, Sakra.
And that is all of the list. Okay. Anybody got anything busting out this text? I'm going to say that's a no.
switch phones. We'll get started. Shaka, <laughs> Shakara, thank you, Holy Spirit. We give you the praise and glory. Shakara, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. All righty, let's see what we're going to get into tonight. Ooh, conscience and knowledge. A weak conscience. Yeah, we ain't getting all that. Okay, y'all ready? Are you ready to throw down? Yes, I is. In abiding by the Spirit and listening to the voice of conscience, we should remember one thing, and that is conscience is limited by knowledge. Wow. Hmm. Mm. Mm. That is interesting. It just shows how intertwined all of this is. Your spirit's not limited, but your conscience is limited by knowledge. But your conscience is the one that determines whether or not you're walking according to what God tells you, but it can only know by what is inside of it. So that's showing why you must study to show thyself approved. That's even showing why in the Old Testament that the law came because it had to give people knowledge of what was good and what was bad. Hmm. It is the organ for distinguishing good and evil which means it gives us knowledge of good and evil. This knowledge varies with different Christians. Some have more while others have less. The degree of knowledge may be determined by individual environment or perhaps by the instruction each has resulted. Yeah, we ain't getting in all of this today because uh-uh, this is about to be deep here. Mm. The degree of knowledge may be determined by individual environment or perhaps by the instruction each has received. 
Thus we can neither live by the standard of others nor ask other people to live by the light that we have. In a Christian's fellowship with God, an unknown sin does not hinder communion. Whoever observes all the will of God known to him and forsakes everything known to be condemned by God is qualified to enjoy perfect fellowship with him. A young Christian frequently concludes that due to his lack of knowledge, he was powerless to please God. Spiritual knowledge is indeed quite important, but we also know that the lack of such knowledge does not hinder one's fellowship with God. Whew, Jesus. In the matter of fellowship with God, in the matter of fellowship, God looks not at how much we apprehend of his will, but rather at what our attitude towards his will is. If we honestly seek and wholeheartedly obey his desires, our fellowship remains unbroken. Even though there may there should be many unknown sins in us, should fellowship be determined by the holiness of God who among all the whole who Okay, should fellowship be determined by the holiness of God, who among all the most holy saints in the past and present will be qualified to hold a moment perfect communion with him? Everyone will be banished daily from the Lord's face and from the glory of his might. That sin which is unknown to us is under the covering of the precious blood. On the other hand, were we to permit to remain even the tiniest little sin which we know our conscience has condemned, we instantly will lose that perfect fellowship with God. Just as a speck of dust disables us from seeing, so our known sin, no matter how infinitesimal, hides God's smiling face from us. The moment the conscience is offended, immediately fellowship is affected. A sin unknown to the saint may persist long in his life without affecting his fellowship with God. But as soon as light, which is knowledge, breaks in, he forfeits a day's fellowship with him, for every day he allows that sin to remain. God fellowships with us according to the level of knowledge of our conscience. We should be very foolish if we assume that since a certain matter has not hindered our fellowship with God for so many years, it cannot be later be of any consequence. This is because conscience can condemn only to the extent of its newest light. It cannot judge a sinful that which is not conscious. At the knowledge, as the knowledge of a believer grows, his conscience too increases in his consciousness. The more his knowledge advances, the more his conscience judges. One need not worry about what he does not know if he but completely follows what he already does know. If we walk in the light that is, if we're walking in the light which we see, which we have already, as he is the light. We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of the Jesus and the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin, though many are still unknown to us. As First John one and seven, God has unlimited light. Although our light is limited, we should have fellowship with God, and the blood of His Son should cleanse us if we walk according to the light we have. Perhaps there are still sins today unremoved from our life, but we are not conscious of them. Hence, we can continue to have fellowship with God today. Let's keep in mind that importance as conscience is, nevertheless, is not our standard of holiness because it is closely related to knowledge. 
Christ himself alone is our single standard of holiness. But in the matter of fellowship with God, his one condition is whether or not we have maintained a conscious void of offense. Yet having fully obeyed the dictates of conscience, we must not visualize ourselves as now perfect. A good conscience merely assures us that so far as our knowledge goes, we are perfect. That is, we have arrived at the immediate goal, but not at the ultimate one. Such being the case, our standard of conduct such being go on, fly. Such being the case, our standard of conduct rises higher to the degree our knowledge of the scriptures and spiritual experiences increase. Only when our lives become holier as our life progresses can we preserve a conscience without offense. It shall invariably accuse us if we accompany this year's knowledge and experience with only last year's conduct. God did not cut off his fellowship with us last year because our sins are known to us then, but he certainly shall sever it today if we do not forsake the sins unknown last year but now known this year. Conscience is a God-given current standard of holiness. Whoever violates that standard is assumed to have committed sin. The Lord has many words for us, but in view of the immaturity of our spiritual understanding, he has to wait. God deals with his children according to the respective conditions. Due to varying degrees of knowledge in the conscience, some in our conscience of sins regarded as very great by their fellow believers. Hence, let us not judge one another. The Father alone knows how to handle his children. He does not expect to find the strength of young man in his little children, nor the experience of fathers in the young man. But he does wait for each of his children to obey him according to what he already knows. Were we to know for sure, which is not easy, that God has spoken to our brother on a particular matter, and our brother has failed to listen, then we can persuade him to obey. Yet we should never force our brother to follow what our conscience says to us. If the God of perfect holiness does not reject us because of our past unknown sins, how can we, on the basis of our current standard, judge our brother who only knows now what he knew last year, what we knew last year. In fact, in helping other people, we should not concern, we should not coerce obedience from them in small details, but only advise them to follow faithfully the dictate of their own conscience. If their volition yields to God, they will obey when the Holy Spirit sheds light on the words clearly written in the Bible. As long as this volition is yielded, a believer will follow God's desire the moment his conscience receives light. The same is applicable to ourselves. We should not overextend ourselves to the point of exciting the strength of our soul to understand truth beyond our present capacity. If we disobey to if we are dis, if we are disposed to obey God's if we are disposed to obey today's voice of God, we are considered acceptable. On the other hand, we should not restrain ourselves from searching any truth which the Holy Spirit may lead us intuitively to search. Such restraint would mean lowering our standard of holiness. In a word, there is no problem for that one who is willing to walk by the Spirit. All righty. Yep. Mm. Mm. In abiding by the Spirit and listening to the voice of conscience, we should remember one thing, and that is conscience is limited by knowledge. 
It is an organ for distinguishing good and evil, which means it gives us the knowledge of good and evil. This knowledge varies with different Christians. Some have more, while others have less. So, conscience is the organ that determines good and evil. But if there's nothing inside of you to make a judgment, then your conscience doesn't know. So, again, that's why we have to study. It's our responsibility. But even we talked about that, even in studying, we have to learn how to study spiritually. I mean, in the sense that we might start out just reading a book or reading the Bible or whatever, but we have to learn how to ask the Holy Spirit what to read, how to read it, so that we can receive those nuggets that he wants us to have. So conscience, again, is the organ for dis- distinguishing good and evil, but is limited by the amount of knowledge that's inside of us. The degree of knowledge may be determined by individual environments or perhaps the instruction each has received. Thus, we can neither live by the standard of others nor ask other people to live by the light we have. The degree of knowledge may be determined by individual environment or perhaps by the instruction each has received. So what you put in is what you get out. Are you taking time to put something in you? Are you building your spirit, which is in your conscience, by studying? So let's. So we're going to grad school now. Are you increasing your conscience because you're studying spiritually? Your environment, okay, like the music you all hear me playing. I play that music to keep to create an environment here for my family. And pray as often as I'm home. Because I understand uh, to a limited degree. Because I, I'm not going to sit up in the, I understand now. Uh, I understand to a limited degree anointings. That's anointed music. So that keeps the presence of God in the house. So again, as we're learning, we need to apply what we learn. So our conscience is limited by our knowledge, and our knowledge is dependent upon instruction we have seen in our environment, what what we're learning. See, and and this Holy Ghost instruction goes beyond the book. Now, when I say beyond the book, let me explain it to you like this: because real knowledge is application, because that's when you really know what you're doing when you have an understanding of it. Or knowledge, I should say, you know, not knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. So as you begin to apply what you are learning, that's when you really begin to get an understanding. That's what I mean when it goes beyond the book. But you don't only get that, because other than that, that's just head knowledge, which is, you know, something you've read, but nothing you've really experienced. The degree of knowledge may be determined by individual environment or perhaps by the instruction each has received. Thus, we can neither live by the standard of others nor ask other people to live by the light we have. In a Christian fellowship of God, an unknown sin does not hinder communion. <clears throat> In a Christian fellowship with God, an unknown sin does not hinder communion. Now, conscious communion, intuition. 
Communion is that room where God dwells, where his spirit dwells, that we go spend time with him. So now, because we're not conscious or aware of something, does not hinder that connection, does not hinder that relationship that we have with him. This is See, this is God orchestrating a great, I'm just looking at it. I mean, only God can put this thing together like this. I'm not going to break off my fellowship with you because I love you so much that you, I know that you don't know what you're doing, little baby. Why, again, why he call us sheep? I know that you don't know what you're doing, little sheep, so I'm going to love on you with everything that I got. That's God's perspective. This fellowship of God, an unknown sin, does not hinder communion. Whoever observes all the will of God known to him and forsakes everything known to be condemned by God is qualified to enjoy perfect fellowship with him. So as we're growing up, God is teaching us, do this, do that, don't do this, do that, and you're abiding by what you're being taught, then you're walking in perfect connection, perfect fellowship with God. That's just a beautiful thing. A young Christian frequently concludes that due to his lack of knowledge, he is powerless to please God. Spiritual knowledge is indeed quite important, but we also know that the lack of such knowledge does not hinder one's fellowship with God. So now we got a young Christian because they don't know. They're unlearned. And, you know, what, what? can you do this? Can you pray? They don't really know, so they think that they can't commune with God. They can't talk to him. I've I just been saved, so I need you to pray for me. I mean, and all that's nice and well, but again, it's everything steps. But you got to grow up to understand that you can talk to God just as you're talking to me. But you have to grow up in that understanding. So from God's perspective, they are uh, they are um, babes. But even 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 like when Renee was talking about her granddaughter, when she was looking at the ceiling, then the cats came and looked at the same spot. She's connected to God. So even babes are in a pure sense connected to God because they're babes. So a childlike faith, that's what the word of God tells you, to come to him in a childlike faith. So even a young Christian, because of God's perspective for his children, is capable of of, of, um, speaking and talking with God. I remember years ago my pastor talked about he had just been saved and Whatever he was at, with he used to work at the CTA and something about the bus, and and he he did something wrong, and he realized he could have lost his job, cause whatever he did with parking the bus, I don't know specifically, but it's like when he's got like, oh man, I messed up my, and he said he looked up and the bus just came rolling out all by itself. See, that's the power of God acting on a young child of God. I know you don't really know how to. How to access, okay, like I talked about accessing the power of God, understanding, getting his word, building up the present. Those are things that I've learned. He didn't know all that. I didn't know, God, I'm going to lose my job. And God said, I got you, baby. And it's the same way when a child cries. Ah, you come and change his diaper, you feed him, you know something's wrong. And it's the same perspective. God knows that we're children and that we don't quite know, so he's looking out for his children. 
Now, but he doesn't expect you to stay a child all your life. Spiritual knowledge is indeed quite important, but we also know that the lack of such knowledge does not hinder one's fellowship with God. In the matter of fellowship, God looks not at how much we apprehend his will, but rather at what our attitude towards his will is. If we honestly seek and wholeheartedly obey his desires, our natural fellowship remains unbroken, even though there should be many unknown sins in us. Should fellowship be determined by the holiness of God, who among all his most holy saints in the past and present will be qualified to hold a moment's perfect communion with him? Everyone will be banished daily from the Lord's face and from the glory of his might. That sin which is unknown to us in the under, in the under the covering of his that sin which is unknown to us is under the covenant's precious blood. So first of all, let's go back to the fact one unknown sin will block off fellowship with God. Well, that doesn't make sense. Well, it did in the Garden of Eden. One sin, everything that we see came from that one event when he violated and did what God told him not to do. It didn't come off from a number of events and say, you know what, I'm done. This. One event, don't eat of this tree. And we did, or Adam did. And as a result, this is all. So one sin can't keep you from being connected with God. That's what happened in the Old Testament. One sin. But now the new last Adam came and reestablished what the first Adam lost. So, all right, upper or lower? Hmm? Upper or lower? Lower. All right. So, again, so... God, so yeah, one sin can't keep you from communing with God, but because of the blood of Jesus and grace and mercy, God has said, you know, I'm going to look at you through my son, and I'm not going to let that which you don't know keep you from communing and spending time with me. See, that's how God deals with his children now. On the other hand, were we to permit to remain even the tiniest little sin which we know our conscience has condemned, we honestly would lose that perfect fellowship with God. Perfect fellowship. Acceptable, good, and perfect. Okay. So now, that perfect fellowship with God comes from when we have gotten to the point that we, as far as we know, have eliminated all the sins that God has told us to get rid of, and even sins of disobedience. I talk about all the time, going downtown, God told me to take the red line, Erica's driving. If I decide to go with Erica, that's disobedience. On the other hand, were we to permit to remain even the tiniest little sin which we know our conscience has condemned, we instantly will lose our perfect fellowship with God. Just as a speck of dust disables us from seeing, so our known sin, no matter how infinitesimal, hides God's smiling face from us. And that's funny to me. You know why I'm laughing? Because I got a bottle of eye wash because I'll be driving in my truck and dust will fly in my face. I'm at work. Something's always flying in my eyes, and I need to wash it out. A lot of times I can't see it but I can feel the effects of it. I might see something flying, and all of a sudden I'm just, my eyes just go. So I don't always see 
or really see clearly what's in my eye, but I feel the effects of once it has gotten in my eye to the point that I know I need to wash it out. And so that's what I'm saying, the same thing. We don't, the effects of that one little sin will damage your relationship with God. And remember, he said the perfect relationship, a perfect, acceptable, good, and perfect. So that one little sin affects your, your communion with God. Just as a speck of dust disables us from seeing, so our known sin, no matter how infinitesimal, hides God's smiling face from us. The moment the conscience is offended, immediately fellowship is affected. A sin unknown to the saint may persist long in his life without affecting his fellowship with God. But as soon as light, which is knowledge, breaks in, he forfeits a day's fellowship with him, for every day he allows that sin to remain. God's fellowship with us according to the level of the knowledge of our conscience. We should be very foolish if we assume that since a certain matter has not hindered our fellowship with God for so many years, it cannot later be any consequence. <clears throat> so things that we're doing that we know we're doing, things that we're doing that we don't know we're doing, can affect us and will affect us and do affect us. So we can't be, well, you know, I done done it all this time. Well, yeah, that's when you were a child. Now you're growing up. God has more requirements and accountability of you. Well, this is who I am. Well, that's who you were then, and this is who you are now, but this is how, who God desires you to be. So if you choose to remain in that same mindset, then, okay, then your your fellowship is broken off. This is because conscience can condemn only to the extent of its newest light. It cannot judge a sinful that which is not conscious. So it goes right back to what he said about knowledge. Uh, to the degree of knowledge, to the degree that you know, to the degree that your conscience knows, then it can condemn. As the knowledge of a believer grows, his conscience too increases in his consciousness. The more his knowledge advances, the more his conscience judges. One need not worry about what he does not know if he but completely follows what he already does know. If we walk in the light, that is, if we are walking in the light which we have already, okay, if we walk in the light, that is, if we are walking in the light which we have already, as if he is a light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus' Son cleanses us from all sins. So if we walk in the light, that means we're walking in Christ Jesus, we're walking in that which the Holy Spirit has been revealing to us, that we're walking in what we know. That is, if we're walking in the light which we have, which we have already, that in other words, I'm walking in the fullness of what God called me to be as far as I know up until this point in time. As he is, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Okay, as he is in the light, as my brother's in the light, as God is in the well, God is a light, and the blood of and the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin, though many are still unknown to us. Do you have a fan on, Daddy? You burning something? 
He can't hear me. walk in the light, that is, if we're walking in the light, which you have already, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. So we're walking in what we already have, and our brothers walking in what we have, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus' Son cleanses us from all sin, though many are still unknown to us. 1 John 1 and 7. God has unlimited light. God is the source. God is the creation. God is God. Although our light is limited, we shall have fellowship with God, and the blood of his Son shall cleanse us if we walk according to the light we have. Perhaps there are still sins today unremoved from our life, but we are not conscious of them. Hence, we can continue to have fellowship with God today. So it's things that we have not yet come unto understanding, but they're still there. But God says, I'm still going to commune with you. I'm still going to relate with you. Let us keep in mind that important as conscience is, it is nevertheless not our standard of holiness because it is closely related to knowledge. Christ himself is alone our single standard of holiness. Mm. Our standard is always going to be Christ Jesus. He's the only one who came in the world but did not have anything in the world of him. He came in the world, he overcame the world. He came in the world, he did not sin. So he's going to be always be our standard, our governor, our benchmark. Christ himself is alone our single standard of holiness. But in the matter of fellowship with God, his one condition is whether or not we have maintained a conscious void of offense. Yet having fully obeyed the dictates of conscience, we must not visualize ourselves as now perfect. A good conscience merely assures us that so far as our knowledge goes, we are perfect. That is, we have arrived at the immediate goal, but not the ultimate one. So far as our conscience goes, we are perfect. The immediate goal, but not the ultimate goal. Immediate goal of, of, of we not, we're doing everything that God has asked us. We, we're at that point, but we're going to always fall short of the glory of God. We're going to always miss it. Because we're just we're in flesh. So now we don't use that as an excuse. We just use it as a reality check. And he also points out how we need not to let our flesh rise up. Recognize that you are always in this meat suit and it is looking at any opportunity that it can to take every to take back over. So now when you come to the point that you're walking in good conscience and you're following the leadership of the Holy Spirit, you're humble, don't get caught up in you. Because trust and believe everything that is done is being done by the power of God. He's, he will train. He will show you. I talked to you yesterday about all my courts, all the things that I'm dealing. And it's like as I've gotten to the end of each trial, I slipped. I fell. I made a mistake. 
And it was like God was purposely allowing that to happen to show me that it is not you that's doing it. It's my grace that's covering you. And see, I'm telling you that because you need to have an understanding so that you can continue to keep your focus on God, keep your focus on Christ. Because if you do that, then you're walking to him. But when you begin to look at what you are doing, what you've accomplished, the thing, then now you're like David on the rooftop and you're looking for Bathsheba to fall into sin. See, that, see, once you begin to look at you and what you're doing, that's pride, that's flesh. And the word of God says pride comes before fall. Such being the case, our standard of conduct rises higher to the degree our knowledge of the scriptures and spiritual experience increase. Hmm. Such being the case, our standard of conduct rises higher ooh, shut up, to the degree our knowledge of the scriptures and spiritual experiences increase. Only when our lives become holier, as our life progresses, can we preserve a conscience without offense. Charles. Yeah. Charles. Thank you, sir. God, only when our lives become holy as our life progresses can we preserve a conscience without offense. It shall invariably accuse us if we accompany this year's knowledge and experiences with only last year's conduct. God did not cut off his fellowship with us last year because of our sins unknown to us then. But he certainly should serve it today if we do not forsake the sins unknown last year, but now known this year. Conscience is a good God-given current standard of holiness. Whoever violates that standard is assumed to condemn sin. That's just like you go to school and you learn your ABCs and your one, two, threes, and now you're in the fifth grade and you're going to try to rely on that knowledge. No, by that point in time, you need to be reading and adding and multiplying and dividing. And if, if all you know is 1 plus 1, see Dick Jane run, you're going to fail. So now, if we understand that in the natural, why do we think we can walk that way in the spiritual? God is saying, hey, I am showing you are growing, you are maturing. Now, I require more of you. That's why I say, you know, okay, you got all that word up in you? Oh, it's going to be requirements on you. Cause what did we just talk about? Envi- what you're putting in? What's your environment? Oh, it's going to be requirements on you. Don't think you're going to get away. And the funniest thing about it is, I'm saying it, but you've been hearing it anyway, but you've been disregarding it. Here's what it is. These are, these are principles and rules and regulations in the spiritual arena that God set up. The Lord has many words for us, but in view of the immaturity of our spiritual understanding, he has to wait. Wow. God wants to teach, show, spend so much time with us, but because we're not capable of handling it, he doesn't give us what he can. God deals with his children according to their respective conditions. And that's what I just said earlier. Everybody has their own cross to bear. I was complaining to myself earlier, and I said, well, you know what? It's my cross. My father had a different cross. Things are different. I'm going through my own. I, I complain all the time to myself. I just don't let out my mouth majority of the times. 
Just like I said, because my mind runs around. I get frustrated and aggravated. I know y'all never thought that, do you? Because you just thought I'm just such a ray of light. Shut up. But I'm just saying that we all have our own individual crosses. And that is not an excuse for you to stay where you're at. And that's what he's pointing out, too. I ain't even looking at the text. That we do not need to use that as an excuse. So maybe last year, I didn't. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> All right. Maybe last year. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, last year you could. I, I don't want to do this, or I don't have, or I don't know. I understand. That's fine. This year is not going to work. Lord has many words for us, but in his but in view of his immaturity of our spiritual understanding, he has to wait. God deals with his children according to their respective conditions. Due to varying degrees of knowledge and the conscience, some are not conscious of sins regarded as very great by their fellow believers. Mm. So my fellow believer might see something in me that I don't see, and it's a big deal. But according to God, because I don't, I'm not there yet. It's not that big of an issue. So what I'm gonna do is I just ain't gonna learn nothing. I'm gonna just sit here because as long as I don't learn nothing, then I can't be a, a, a can't be accountable for it. I just keep reading. I just keep reading. Hence, let us not judge one another. The father alone knows how to handle his children. He does not expect to find the strength of young men in his little children, nor the experience of fathers in the young man. Woo! Father God, see, he wasn't going to cut a brother with that one, because, see, I remember that whole teaching about little children, young men and fathers. Talking about knowledge, wisdom, understanding, experience. I ain't even comment on that. Mm-hmm. The father alone knows how to handle his children. He does not expect to find the strength of young men in his little children, nor the experience of fathers in a young man. But he does wait for each of his children to obey him according to what he already knows. Well, we to know for sure, which is not easy, that God has spoken to our brother on a particular matter and that our brother has failed to listen, then we can persuade him to obey. Yet, we should never force our brother to follow what our conscience says to us. If the God of perfect holiness does not reject us because of our past unknown sins, how can we, on the basis of our current standard, judge our brother who only knows now what we, what we knew last year? That's judging, but I'm, as I'm reading that, that's also judging from the soul. Why do I say that? Because there's a difference. When God starts to reveal things to you, see now, I'm going to say this. And if you don't understand it, that's just because you haven't gotten there. But there's a judging. There's a, but God will begin to, because it happens on the line, all honesty. 
will go into somebody. And the funny thing about it, it can come from different sources. That alone lets you know the spirit. And people get mad, upset, offended, hang up, don't call me, send me all kind of tests. And I go, okay. But see, that's from the spirit of God. Grad level here, people. You can't judge me. I'm really not. I'm flowing what God is showing or revealing me. So that's literally God speaking to you on behalf of something that's going on in your life. It's a difference. Now, let me explain this. As you grow in this thing, you get spiritual knowledge, you'll see something in somebody else. But that doesn't mean you need to speak to them about it. I'll see something in somebody, and okay. Now, if the Lord don't prompt me to say something, that's not the Spirit of God. But if I go over there, you know what, this is right up. That's my soul. Though I might see it and understand it because of where I'm at. If I go over to condemn it, that's not the Spirit of God. See, understand these different nuances with what we're talking about here. See, that goes right back to what Erica says. I say all the time, some plant, some water, God gives the increase. I'm going to just keep reading. How about that? But he does wait for each of his children to obey him according to what he already knows. What we to know for sure, which is not easy, is that God has spoken to our brother on a particular matter and that our brother has failed to listen, then we can persuade him to obey. Yet we should never force our brother to follow what our conscience says to us. If the God of perfect holiness does not reject us because of our past unknown sins, how can we, on the basis of our current standard, judge our brother who only knows now what we only knew last year? So God still looking at us through Jesus. Because you know what? Just as you're judging somebody, <laughs> trust and believe there's somebody higher on level, you looking at you going, okay, yeah, well. A lot of times, you know, I, my thing is, oh, they just ain't there yet. Mm, okay, they just ain't there yet. That's what I say to myself. Because, you know, and, and, and God, God, so God is looking at us and saying the same thing. They're not there yet, so let me still love on them with everything that I have, but I'm still going to work in them. And see, that's where the Holy Spirit comes. They're striving with us. He's still going to work in us and with us to get us to grow and to see that which God wants us to have. In fact, in helping other people, we should not coerce obedience from them in small details, but only advise them to follow faithfully the dictates of their own college. I can't make you see nothing. I can't make you accept. I can't make you do a doggone thing. That's why I say out of my three, my three nine-year-olds and my two 19-year-olds, <laughs> I, you know, I that I'll deal with on a different basis. Other than that, I present, and I'll let you figure it out on your own. Because I can't make you do a doggone thing. But now, again, it's different from when God is leading and when we're biting somebody's head off. But even in that, it ain't really that. It's just the word of God cutting you. You're just feeling God, and that's that conscience again, kicking you, going, uh, uh. And that's why you feel it from the inside. Now your emotions get riled up true. 
but it's still coming from the Word and the Spirit of God. So then, see, that's why we're breaking down the different natures and the organs and, and where things are coming from and how all these different attributes of our of how we're made work, how our spirit's broken down, our soul, our flesh. So if we get an understanding of how all these different components work, then you can flow with God and grow better. So that just tastes, you taste it different. Taste it cleanly. helping other people, we should not coerce obedience from them in small details, but only advise them to follow faithfully the dictates of their own conscience. And though volition yields to God, they will obey him when the Holy Spirit sheds light on the words clearly written in the Bible. Mm. If the volition yields to God, they will obey him when the Holy Spirit sheds light on the words clearly written in the Bible. So what happens is when the word gets you, when the word is one of the situations and pricks you, then you go to the Bible, then you start reading it in the Bible. So. Somebody got noise in the Bible. Now, now that's your spirit being pricked by the word of God. And that's letting you know right then and there. Then and there. That's God speaking. That's not a person. That's the spirit of God. Now, when you choose to disobey, now I, I got to go back to what we had last week when Mark and Renee were bumping heads. I said, now this is the point when you stop, you go pray about it individually, and then let the Holy Spirit reveal to you. That's letting you know if this is something that God said, you know what, maybe I might need to begin to pay attention to this. Maybe back then I was, okay, now I'm another level. Now I'm beginning to see differently so I can start to do differently. As long as as, his volition is yielded, a believer will follow God's desires the moment his conscience receives life. The same is applicable to ourselves. We should not... We should not overextend ourselves to the point of exciting the strength of our soul to understand truth beyond our present capacity. Hmm. We should not overextend ourselves to the point of exciting the strength of our soul to understand truth beyond our present capacity. That's going back to spiritual learning again. That's going back to why I say, what we say, spiritual learning. Ask God what to read, how to read. Because, see, the thing is, you can read this Bible up and down, but until it's really revealed to you through your spirit, you don't really truly understand it. I got my daughter reading Proverbs right now. I don't understand it. I'm fine. I, I really didn't expect you to. But I'm putting, I'm sowing seed, having a sow seed. Having a sow seed. So then at the pro- right time, now there's some seed, talking about knowledge, now there's something inside of her so when the situation presents, now the Holy Spirit can work in her conscience and her spirit and reveal things to her and help her to grow. See, see how all this stuff is intertwined and it works together. We should not overextend ourselves to the point of exciting the strength of our soul to understand truth beyond our present capacity. If we're disposed to obey, to, if we're disposed to obey today's voice of God. We're considered acceptable. On the other hand, we should not restrain ourselves from searching any truth which the Holy Spirit may lead us intuitively to search. We should not restrain ourselves from searching any truth Holy Spirit may lead us intuitively to search. Such restraint would mean lowering our standard of holiness. In a word, there's no problem for that one who's willing to walk by the Spirit. 
that is our lesson for today. Alrighty then. Questions, comments, criticism, complaints. I have a comment. Okay. You are definitely not a ray of sunshine. I know you got all them text messages at once. I want to tell you to your face. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just such a happy, happy, joy, joy, happy, happy, joy, joy. Well, your statement about yourself was that you're a ray of sunshine, and I'm telling you that's a blasphemous lie. (laughs) (laughs) Ever. (laughs) Going up. Ling, 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 ling. So whatever text message you got, it, I wasn't one of them. At least I don't remember to be. But I'm telling you to your face, you are lying. Did you pay in you? You are not a ray of sunshine. I love you. Bye bye. <laughs> Whatever. Any other comments? Good morning. Um, I think what you have Morgan uh, doing in terms of reading is very beneficial because even though, you know, like you said, though she does not have a full understanding of everything she's reading, you know, that is part of that planting mm-hmm. and watering that, you know, you constantly talk about. Because if it's in there, it will, you know, once it, she regurgitates it through experiences, it will manifest itself where the understanding will then come. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's typically you know, through life's experiences and various conversations when all of that stuff that she's read, cause she, and that's part of storing it in your heart as well, storing it in your conscience and storing it in your heart because when, it, when it's necessary, when it's needed, it will come back out. But mm. that's the scripture. But that's the exact scripture that I was going to tell you when it says that when you're in a situation of the Bible, you needing the Word of God, it bubbles out of you like a fountain. Right. So when she is in need of it, it's going to come up out of her because it's in her. But it's 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 like a um it's like a um a I don't want to say repressed memory, but kind of like a, a memory that is not provoked until it's a memory that's hidden till it's provoked or initiated. Like, oh, it's like deja vu in a sense. Right. Well, I remember this, but where do I remember this? Oh, here's a situation. And then she regurgitates the word pertaining to the situation. And that just makes her stronger and more equipped. It's basically like an extra, like easiest, easiest way to say it. If she's an assassin, she thinks she's out of bullets and the situation comes up and then automatically she remembers that she has an extra clip somewhere that she just hears. Right. Right.
know, um, I did uh, the counseling last night, the couple counseling, and um, I had them to do the entire chapter of, um, you know, chapter five of Ephesians. And, you know, of course, um, the, the you know, for them, they honed in more so on, you know, from verses 21 to 32. And then I, I told them I had them to, you know, read the entire chapter over the week. And if we went over it yesterday, but I told them in the first, you know, 20 verses, God is showing you how to love generally, you know, everybody. And he's telling you why and instructing you on, you know, loving people in general and loving yourself. And that, you know, it is when you learn how to love um, people, love, I'm sorry, excuse my noise, love people in general, learn to love yourself that you can truly be able to love someone else wholly and truly and sincerely. You think you're pretty good at that little counseling thing, don't you? Did you hear me there? Erica. Yes. Did you hear me? What did you say? I said, you think you're pretty good at that little counseling thing, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not necessarily going to say that. <laughs> look, that, look that, sound, that, sound, that sound a little bit like you're a good teacher. <laughs> <laughs> you know, We also emphasize, um, of course, you know, when you got to verse 21 or 22 when it says, wives, submit yourself to your husband. And, you know, it was so funny because her uh, opinion, you know, I asked him, what did they think about anything? What tells you, you know, says to me that you have to do what your husband tells you to do. And I started laughing at her, and I said, oh, that's so funny. And so we just continued, and it talked about um, on N25 where it says, your husband, give yourself to the wife just like Jesus Christ gave himself to the church. And so she wanted to emphasize how the scripture says that she had to submit and it only told the husband to love and give. And so they got into this debate, which was very, very interesting, amongst the two of them about what submit means. And I, I noticed that they were going back and forth with one another, but nobody ever sought to seek what submission means. And so when we actually did it and they realized that submission is giving of yourself. And I told them it's something you do um, you know, of your free will. But you have to know going into this agreement, you know, this matrimony 
this union that you are willing, you're saying that you're willingly giving yourself to yourself. I said, emphasize submission for, in, you know, when he was talking about the women, but he also told the husband the same thing about giving, and submitting and giving are the same thing. And I remember um, someone teaching a while back on on the aspect of why God told the husband to love his wife is because of our, our emotional or non-emotional state. That's something that we would just not do naturally. So it was brought out through the scriptures that we need to make we we need to make a point to do that. And 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 as I'm quite sure as you can understand, especially I'm one of the persons you can probably look at. But anyway, um, walking in that that non-emotional state, you know. And, but women are emotional, so you wouldn't really have to tell them to love the husband. But men, being non-emotional, tell them you need to love your wife. Right. We and I thought it was interesting. We also talked about I think it's in verse twenty two when it says that you have to love yourself and that you if you don't love yourself it's impossible to love someone else. And so, um, you know, that was a big uh I guess conversation amongst them as well. Because you know, a lot of people say I love, you know, the other person more than I love myself. And I said, but you have to look at it. If you love, you know, someone and something more than you love yourself, then you're not going to give. Um, there's no way that you'll be able to take care of it because if you don't care enough for yourself, if you're going to treat me like you treat yourself, I got questions with all of it. And, you know, they feel that, you know, you when we talk about loving someone else more than you love yourself, that that's appropriate. And so when you were doing the sermon this morning, when he was talking about selfishness and servanthood, I thought it was so appropriate because there is a distinction.
I think the, 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 the most essential part of the reading was probably one sentence or two sentences into the chapter. When you said, Oh, that's not, that's the type of night it's gonna day is gonna be <laughs> I can't remember it but it was the 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 way that I heard it was um there's a limit to our consciousness to reach um reach God. But I mean I I think it was more of when our consciousness is offended. Does that sound right, Sam? Hold on, give me one second, I'm gonna pull it up. Okay, Dad. All right. Okay. Abiding by the Spirit and listening to the voice of conscience, we should remember one thing, and that conscience is limited by knowledge. It is the organ for distinguishing good and evil, which means it gives us the knowledge of good and evil. This knowledge varies with different Christians. Some have more, while others have less. The degree of knowledge may be determined by individual environment or perhaps by the instruction each has received. Thus, we can neither live by the standard of others or ask other people to live by the light we have. In a Christian's fellowship of God, an unknown sin does not hinder communion. Whoever observes all the will of God known to him and forsakes everything known to be condemned by God is qualified to enjoy perfect fellowship with him. Is what you're talking about? Well, I thought I heard. Well, well, what I got from that is when a person is offended, the no. door sets closed on anything of the communication. Okay, oh, let me. I think I do remember. Let me look because I do remember reading about offended. Let me. Um, that's a little bit further in there. Hold on. But that first part you read is interesting as well. But I just thought it was it was poignant that he was talking about offense. Okay. It says, on the other hand, were we to permit to remain even the tiniest little sin which we know our conscience has condemned, we instantly would lose that perfect fellowship with God. Just as a speck of dust disables us from seeing, so our known sin, no matter how infinitesimal, hides God's smiling face from us. The moment the conscience is offended, immediately a fellowship is affected. That's exactly what I was saying right there. As soon as you're offended by a person, a situation, or everything, there is no longer a place for you to reason. Mm. Because you have basically went to the, you have once once you're offended, you have reached your um, you've reached your, you've reached your last strand. So if I offend you, and I don't care if I was telling you you're gonna win the lotto tomorrow and gave you the numbers, you wouldn't even accept the numbers because the offense automatically projects us to pride. Mm. So if it automatically projects us to pride, what am I saying? Because we are offended, it blocks the it blocks our vision to see that which is right. Mm. 
offended. The reason you're offended is because it struck a nerve in you because of something that is alive inside of you. If you're dead in that area, you would not be offended. But who's who? But but who's to say that we know what area that we're not dead in that offend us? And that's the whole point. So that and that's what God is. So in other words, and that's exactly what we're talking about. That's why you get offended, so that the Holy Spirit can show you something. Then you can start to deal with it. But if you continue to live in that, then you're you're disregarding God and yourself. And then coming back again, what we talk about from a spiritual scenario from a carnal scenario. But there again, that's when the connection is broken because you already got offended. Right, but I'm saying but something that offense, that's what God uses to begin to show you and train you. So once you calm down and then like I said, go to the Bible or sit down and then let him start to show you stuff, then you see what's inside of you. Which you have been there but you never recognized it. Right. But wait, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That's what we're supposed to do. That's not what we always do. Most normally, no, no. I'll give you a perfect example. Um, back when we you know first got a couple of houses and stuff, the guy that my dad used to work with, who I learned a lot of stuff from, was Lithuanian. And he said that he wasn't racist. But if you sit up there and listen to his comments and him talk, you know, he he didn't even realize that he was racist. But just the words would come out of his mouth, and then he said, but Sam, you're not one of them. <laughs> and, you know, we, we, didn't, we didn't even, you know, because that's just him. But, again, he didn't even realize that he was racist because he said he, because he thought he wasn't. But in reality, he is. Or was so I'm just saying that's a perfect example how something could be inside of you, but it's oh, and that gets back to the wheat and tears. You're you're so much used to yourself, or you're so used to this and that. It's, it's it's fine with you. You're right, but it's not really you don't. Uh, but again, as far as our standard being Christ Jesus, that's the key. As far as our standard being Christ Jesus. That this is an area in our life that we need to clean up, and that's 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 simply how we need to look at it and deal with it. Get up out the offense, get up out of getting your feelings hurt, get up out of all this stuff, because we're gonna all experience that, and then just come to a point. Okay, well, this is something I got to deal with in my life. Anybody else?
Anybody else? What's going on? Uh, yeah. Yeah. You over to praying for folks now? I uh, just sent it to the computer on the printer. Got it. You got it. You got an email. Sam. Hold on, Renee. Okay. Okay. What'd you say, Nay? Are you praying for folks now, or are you just ending up from reading the word? Um, well, if nobody has any other comments, then I'm praying for folks. Oh, okay. Well, you can pray for me. You ready? Yes, I am. All right. Rambo Cosquet, the Combosquet, the Goran, the Goded, the Goran, the Gossish, the Gossish, the Gossish, the Gossish, the Gossish, the Gossan, Rand, the Goran, the Grand, the Gondi, the Gossish, the Gossish, the Gossish, the Goran, Rand, the Goded, the Gossish, the Gossara Gadaka, Rambo Cosquet, the Gandran, the Gossish, the Gossish, the Gossara Gadaka, Buran, the Gossish, the Gossish, the Gossish, the Randrash, the Gossadaka, Rand, the Gossish, the Gossish, the Gossish, the Gossish, the Gossara Gadaka, Thank you, Holy Spirit. You're the Gundar go did go did go did go sadder go did did go bokrandarakadaka. Thank you, Father God. Yet it'll go continue to move, continue to reveal, continue to teach and impart those things that need to be done in her life. Help her to become the woman of God that you are calling her to be. Pull her out of self and more into you. Keep the word of God revealed, live, and moving as you continue to speak to her heart. Let your words separate the spirit from the soul. And as you continue to do that, Father, get her to cause a shift to change in her life so she can truly become the fullness of who you call her to be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, Sam. Mm Mm-hmm. Did you pray for Vanessa earlier? Uh, no. Okay. Um, I don't know. Did you see the pictures, um, what her tenant did? Yeah, I saw. Okay. So, um, before you pray for me and my fam, would you, um, pray for Vanessa? Sure. Father God, let the Nessie run the gossip, go go run the underground, go 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 run run go go run run go 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 go
Thank you, Father God. Give her the strength to persevere. Holy Spirit, help her to become the woman of God. As you work her through all situations and circumstances. Lord, you told to pray for your enemies. So right now, Father, we ask that your word cover the, the tenants that just moved out. We ask that your word cover them, Lord. We ask that your word speak to them. Father God, as you continue to move in the hearts and lives, the situation, circumstances. Hundred Rambosker Hombokosishi <laughs> Uh, 
Father God, yet to go touch her, touch her right now in the name of Jesus, yet to go Give her peace that surpasses all understanding. Let your word keep her, Father. Let your word keep her, Lord. Let your word keep her, Father. Strengthen and gird her, Father. Strengthen and gird her, Father. Strengthen and gird her, Hard to go say, should have gone back on Jesus' name, I'm praying, man. All right, who's next? Thank you for praying for me, too, so I pray. Uh, I'll hear you with a woman. Father God, touch your girl, Erica, amen. All right, who's next? <laughs> oh, amen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me pray for your tribe, your children. Yenako bodi de kande de ko bodi de kashe she de ko brande ko de kande de ko se she de ko se she rande ko se la kandaka rande ko de de kande de kande de kande de kande de kande rande de ko de kande de kande de kande de ko rande she de ko baka yere de ko se she de ko se she de ko se she de ko se she rande ka she de ko saka. That's your cheerings. Uh-huh. <laughs> The children, the adults, the business, the job, the church. Thank you, Father God. Yet go Jesus' name, pray now. Pray for your father. Yes, there's a shifting taking place. Oh, Lord. She ain't gonna like that. Hmm. Well, 
So we got Schmidt, Carlos, Kenny, not Tony. Hush got to go did it go did it go did it go rumble go did it 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 go So, there's a shifting taking place. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, in the midst of all your table buffet. That's what this is I'm going through. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just something else on the table. Uh, look, mm-hmm. It's going to remain on your table because it's going to be off and mm-hmm. on. But right now, I'm just letting you know. So, so, so like Mark said, don't even think this is seasonal no more. This is just part of your life. Anyway, so in the word, in several different scenarios, it says that basically when you, when God makes a determination based on your past conduct, that he takes you from the back and places you in the front. Mm-hmm. So, the shifting is that of you coming from the back, placed, now let me stop it right there, because see, this is the thing, and Tanisha, I don't know if she's online, but she always talks, you know, we're in the back because we're comfortable, we're hid, we can get out, we don't want nobody to see us. Right on, right on. But when God places us in the front. So first of all, let's get an understanding. It ain't like we walked up and we took the seat in the front. We took the seat in the back. When God places us in the front, there's already crowds and people established there. So then it's a, a disruption in whatever's going on because now there's a, a, a movement of going from the rear to the front, and in that process, all eyes become fastened on you because everybody want to know who you are, what's going on, and how you get to be at that point. You still there? I'm still here. I'm still wondering, too, so I'm with them. Okay. So now I had to kind of really break all that down because, see, what God is doing so I, I need to make sure you understood that in the way that I said it. Because, see, right now, you in such a mode like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. 
because you I, you don't want to know for one especially if <laughs> two you got so much going on like even if it's in front of me I don't even know what it is so mm-hmm. had to break all that down so you got that you got that picture right mm-hmm. so now so what God is doing is He's taking you from the back and He's placing you in the front and in the process of Him doing that He's placing you above your your father and your brother in the spiritual capacity. Oh, Jesus. going to be seeing that. Ba-da-bam, ba-da-bam. I knew you wouldn't like none of that. See, 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 I, I got to get you now, because, see, the thing is, as long as you're on this line and in your close-knit confines and this, that, and the other, it's good. God says, now nah, I'm about to use you out here where I need you to minister. And so now... They're going to be, how does she, how you, because see, that's what's going to, especially the one that's more stuck than the other. How do you, I don't understand. So after he comes out of his condemnation of trying to tell you, but then he gets to the point where he's stopping recognizing that this is truly a move of the Holy Spirit. Because when God moves, this is authentic. Ain't nobody stopped that. And when he sees you doing these different things that are now going to begin to manifest, you're really going to have a conversation here. So basically, you just keep them abreast of everything that's going on. I'm going to Chicago to have a conference. I'm going. You just do this. Okay. <laughs> uh, all right. I know the very thing you don't want to do, but we just talked about conscience and knowledge. So now they need to be made aware of the things that are going on so that when it's time for the conversation to occur and wonder how this happened, after they get through their own offense, it'll quickly bring them better to a point of maybe I might need to change my point of view and my perspective. Mm-hmm. Then I can readily receive that which God is trying to show me, but because I'm so caught in my tradition, my self-righteousness, mm-hmm. and my soul, that I'm not able to break free of the bondage that is keeping me bound. None of this that you want to hear. But I'm still at one more thing. So, that's the thing about, you know, when, you know, I was thinking about me today or yesterday, whatever it was, like, you know, stuff God's doing in my life has a direct effect on everybody on, on his line. And now that's beginning to spread. So that means I can't stop. Because if I stop, y'all stop. Who has a direct effect on everybody else. So now, you cannot not do what God's telling you to do because it's going to have a direct effect on your father and your brother who are in charge of multitudes of people. Now I'm done. I just made sure that you, that was clear. I don't want you to have any breakdowns in the, you know, and, uh, you know, uh-huh, I got to take them to church. So, anyway. And this is when she says, you know what? Give me that bat and put it in my bag of luggage. But, see, I ain't worried because right now you're going to pack the bat, but it's going to be shipped to your house that you ain't even finished packing for anyway. But a bing Yep, you sure is right. Uh-huh. And in your state of confusion, you probably be bringing bringing a bag of Cheerios, thinking it's your luggage, putting it on right. a plane. <laughs> I'm supposed to get there with no clothes. 
Okay. Uh-huh. I don't know. I, I figured something out. <laughs> I right. ain't even wrote what I was supposed to say anyway, so what the <laughs> Yes, sir, you can pray for me. All right. Doing all right? I'm good. How are you? Doing good. I haven't heard your voice in a while. Yeah, I'll be on here. I'll be listening. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Be in the background. Yeah, I'm background thing. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. I understand how it is to not want to take that lead vocalist spot. But I can sing in the choir. I can sing amongst the other folk. Yeah, he's switching phones. I'm sure he'll be back on in a minute. Mm. Wow, wow, wow. Mm. I am back on. I want you to pray for him. Okay. Davis went up to steps. Davis, why you go up to you going to church, Davis? Uh, okay. He's outside, man. Okay. Father God, I'm going to have you start to pray for Rod first so you get some more practice in this ministry and stuff you're going to be doing over this weekend. Rod even chuckling. Hey, Erica. Hmm. You going to hoop? Huh? I see you gonna hoop. No, I'm not gonna hoop. I hood. You know what? That was on time. That was funny. Pull it, y'all. Pull it. They're going to tell you, pull it, Doc. Look, I digress. Amen, Father. Amen. 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 Glory to your name, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hello. Cosesitere mokoshara, sotoko shere he sitere. 
it's already done. It's just that you continue to do other things. Don't let you, um, don't allow yourself not to move in other areas and do other things because you're being watchful over these, you know, one or two or three things that he's promised that will be fruitful. And the thing is, you're going to receive whatever it is in abundance. It's just that you continue. It's just like you water a plant. You know, you know that it's there. You know that you've given it to God. He's just instructing that you, you know, um, come and look at it periodically, but don't do it in a, you know, I guess in a very um, adamant manner that that's all you're doing. You're not doing other things. So, you know, as, as you water it, you know, as you pass by, you water it and you, you know, continue to keep moving and keep doing other things. He's just, he just wants you, you know, to be mindful because you're seeing the, you seeing the growth of it as you pass by. And it is going to be very fruitful, whatever it is. Yes, ma'am. It's just like when you, it's just like when you pass by, you know, a piece of furniture and you see that a little dust is on it. You just make sure you clean it off and you just keep on moving because it's, it's being, um, you know, the manifestation of it, the fruitfulness of it, the, you know, prosperity of it is being handled by God. Yes, ma'am. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, all right, all right. Okay. Huh. Okay, this is the deal. What's really resonating inside of me. I'm going to ask you this question, but I want you to also reflect upon like when Jesus told Peter to feed his sheep. And the question is, do you really want this? This meaning those things that God is speaking to you about, showing you the visions, the dreams, all those things that you see bubbling up inside of you about the direction and the possibility. And the question is, do you really want it? Yes, sir. Mm. Okay. Father God, I've asked this man, does he really want that which you've been speaking, teaching, and revealing to him? And he has said yes. So, Father, meet him where he's at. Give him what is needed. Download every aspect. So that will it enable him to go forth to do what you're calling him to do. Because, Lord, we say often that you don't call the qualified, you qualify the call. 
you say, look, you seek whoever is willing to say yes, then you begin to train them. Father, he is willing, he has said yes. Now begin to enable him to teach, to train, to empower him, whatever needs to be done so he can rise up to fulfill that which you called him to do. In Jesus' holy name I say, amen. Amen. Can I say something to Miss Erica? Sure, sir. I want to meet. Hey, Miss Erica. Yes, I'm still here. All right. Can I say something to you? Sure. All right. You you you're very gifted, but. Confusion is trying to, well, confusion is tampering with your gifting. Like a lot of times the spirit of confusion, like it comes in when we don't even know it. And it it affects our gifts because confusion is like a, a sheet. It's thrown thrown over your gift, and a lot of times you can't see it. But my main point is that is that you gotta take authority with your gift. Don't be afraid to use it with the prophetic gift that God has given you. You got to flow to flow with it, and not fight God. Don't worry about what people are going to say. You you got to flow with what God is saying. Am I making sense so far? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you make sense. <laughs> you just you just got to you got to flow with what God is saying and not fight not fight God because you don't want to grieve God because he'll 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 leave he'll leave the presence if you grieve him. You want to be in a place where you have power and authority. And don't let the cares of this life, you got to stand, just like the Bible tells us, you got to preach in season and out of season. That's not only preaching, but everything we do, we got to stand fast in it, in your gifting. Study about it. See what's what's going on, where God can take you on the next level. See, sometimes we stay on the same level too long, and it causes us not to grow and develop as God wants us to. Am, am I making sense to you? Mm-hmm. You make a lot of sense. And so for you, be, for you to become the powerful servant, that God wants you to be. You have to you have to stand up and allow God to work to work to do the work on you. Mm. Only thing you have to do is be available. Say, Lord, I'm available. Just work on me. You know my attitude. You know the works <laughs> of faith that I'm in. Mm. And so, you know, I've been really studying about that fruit of the spirit. They say, Lord, just put your fruit on the 
of the spirit in me and just let them grow. Mm-hmm. And when those fruit, and when the, when the fruit of the spirit is in you, it, it it automatically draws the people of God towards you because it's love and joy and peace. All those things are manifesting and growing on the inside. And that's what God people want. I just hope what I said help you, you know, just just be be more effective. I'm not saying that you did nothing wrong, but what I'm saying is that it's more in you and you gotta push toward it for it to come. Amen. 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 <laughs> Amen. Hey, Ron, I'm going to let you know now she's officially cussing you out, but she ain't saying that because you've been nice to you. She's like, she got a whole bunch of names, but she's okay, I'm going to be nice to him, but she got a whole bunch of names. I could just hear that, you know, I could hear God speaking to her, but she... She was kind of like fighting a little bit. Uh-huh. 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 Boy, I tell you. Uh-huh. I ain't got to say nothing. That's what I'm laughing at. <laughs> I, thought, I thought the phone was on mute and I realized it wasn't good. I was Place from the back to the front. See, that's another reason. See, Ron, that's another reason she hides in the back. Then she ain't got to worry about walking in what she really knows is there. Mm-hmm. She knows is there, but as long as she stay in the back, then ain't a big thing. But see, when God takes her from the back to the front, not only does she have to manifest, there's also an additional pull. Because once people begin to recognize, they're going to begin to draw from it. And because of who she is and who God for, she ain't going to be able to not give. See, she ain't that big of a nut. But she said, as long as I ain't in that position, then I ain't got to worry about having to give it. But, but now since God is forcing her, then she's going to have to see and see. That was, once she, they start pulling and she starts giving, then more is going to come. Yep. But as the long, but, but Sister Erica, <laughs> Sister Erica, yeah, I'm here. The, the the longer the longer you stay back, sometimes the worse off you get. <clears throat> well, wouldn't that be wouldn't that be what we talked about today in conscious and walking into the light that you have? <laughs> So now, I mean, it's all nice and fine as long as you're bad. But God says, now nah, I'm putting you up to the front because you're qualified. Oh. I'll shut it up and ready. <laughs> and I you refuse to do it. And watch this right here. And now, a lot, a like, like this right here, Sister Erica. Yes. You can be praying for something. And watch this. The Bible says that your gift will make what? And so if you still stay in the background and and you still want God to manifest and you're not using your gift and you 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 in the same spot. Amen. 
I'm saying this. I'm saying this because this is a day of elevation for you. Oh, oh my God. Oh, because, he didn't. Oh, no, he didn't. Because I got to go a lot, of time, a lot of times we can't worry about folks. What I'm learning is that you got to worry about developing yourself, strengthening yourself, so that when people come, you'll be able to even stand what they're going through because if you're not careful, when people bringing all that junk and trash, it'll get into you. Oh. And so that's why we got to be purified and ask God to continually purify us. If it's oh. all right, could I, could I pray for you? Yes. <laughs> Lord, we just thank you. We need your anointing. We need your power. We need you to change the atmosphere of our thinking, the atmosphere of our minds, our hearts, our thoughts, our emotions, and the works of the flesh that's on the inside of us, oh God. Lord, we just ask that you plant the fruit of the Spirit deep down on the inside of her, God. Father God, stir up every gift that she has. Father God, put love down in her, oh God. If there's any hurt, oh God, take the hurt out, oh God, and and put your joy and your peace and your love on the inside of her, oh God. Father God, I I place the Father God, I just ask that you stir up her prophetic gift, oh God. That she may see like an eagle, oh God. That she may have eagle eyes, oh God. Just touch, oh God. Touch her in her sleep, oh God. That if the enemy is even tormenting her in her sleep, oh God, let her rest at night, oh God. Father God, I just ask that your anointing will fall down on her, oh God, to get in your word, oh God. And let your word get down in her, oh God, and change her. Change her mind, oh God. Change the way that she sees things. Oh God, let your anointing flow. Let her feel your presence, oh God. Let a change take place within, oh God. And let her not fight to change, oh God. Father God, let her not be afraid of heights and where you're taking her, oh God. Let her go up to this place that she's going in you, oh God. And we just thank you. Thank you, God. Oh, yes, God. Just touch her. Give her peace. Give her peace of mind, oh God. She's been fighting for a long time. But give her peace, God. Give her peace, God. Give her peace right now, God. Give her peace in her heart, God. Oh, Lord, we just thank you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, God. In your name, Jesus. Amen. 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 <laughs> Day of elevation. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't look to be the same. And like God, when God tell you different things, you just be obedient to Him. Don't don't be like me. I always in trouble with God. Just just do the right thing, and that's the best thing to do. That's all I know. Thank you, brother Sam, for for allowing me to say something. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> Amen.
All is right before you got to come up here and speak. Isn't that special? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. And minister, I don't want to just say speak, because see, now you got to take it to that next level. Oh, she got quiet again. <laughs> And when the conference is done, then you can send a copy of the video that Lisa's going to have to your brother and to your father. Just after that prayer I had for me about informing them of everything that you're doing so they can begin to see. Okay, anyway. I'm <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I need you and uh, Rod to go play in somebody else's playbox, okay? What you say, I want you and Rod to go play in somebody else's sandbox. <laughs> go play in somebody else's toy. So, wait, wait. Now, this is the bad part. This is from Rod. That ain't even from Mark, so you know this guy messing with Hey, wait a minute. And Rod, she was so happy to talk to you. Oh, Rod, I ain't heard your voice in a while. This time she'd be like, hey, Rod. I'm like, who's that? Eric, what happened to your voice? <laughs> you all right, Eric? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna warn you though, give her your text mail, your text messages and email because you don't get messages. <laughs> oh, that is funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's gonna the voice, hey, Ron. <laughs> no, <okay. laughs> <laughs> oh. That is funny. That is funny. That is funny. Well, Anybody else want prayer? Anybody else want prayer going once?
Anybody else want a pair going twice? Anybody else want a pair going three times? Well, we don't. Or do we get cut off? We still here. No, you good to after 12. Oh, okay. I about to say that I knew it was somewhere around. Ah, that's right. I can get up to like 7 or something. All right. So nobody else want to pray then? Cool. What? Somebody pray for me? Let me get out of here. Hold on. Let me pray for a minute. Okay, let me pray for my crew. Ah, let me pray for Kyle. Rambo did go say 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 did go did go say did go go say did 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 go Lorenzo, Hoshka to the Gumboran, it was she goes, she goes, Saga, Sakara. Junum Kala, Randaga, 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 Saga, Sakara. Irish, you need to go near the Gundago Randaga, Sakara. Tony Broken, so the Gundago says she goes, she goes, Saga, Sakara. Who else? Irish, Tony, who else? Who else? Who else? Anybody else on this, Father? You're not going to the Gundago, going to the Gundago, going to the Gundago, she the Grandaga, Sakara. All right, that's my list. So, somebody pray for me when we get off the line. I vote for Rod. <laughs> you said you vote for Rod. Told you, Rod. You are all sick now. <laughs> That is funny. Mm-hmm. That's why I play with him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lord, we just thank you. We just ask you to watch over Sam. We just ask that you cover him in your blood and wrap your arms around him. We just ask that you stir up the gifts that within him, oh God. Father God, we just ask that you just continue to give him wisdom and knowledge and understanding, oh God, in your word, oh God, to teach your people. Father God, we just ask that you cover him, oh God. Cover him with peace. Cover him with love. Cover him with understanding, oh God, so that he may continue to grow in you, oh God. Father God, just touch his eyesight, oh God, that he can have the eyes as eagles, oh God, that he can see the problem of your people, oh God, that he can see what your people are going through, oh God, and that you can give him an answer, that you can give him the solution, oh God. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray over his business, oh God, over his finances. Continue to bless him, oh God. Father God, give him the mindset, oh God, of how to save and how to be a businessman and what you call him to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 He ain't mad if you so <laughs> And Charles and Morgan are downstairs hollering. Oh, I just got such a lovely family. Anyway. <laughs> All right, everybody. I'll holler at y'all later. Peace.
With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.